All right, we had announced that we're going to have a children's class this evening, so we'll invite all you children to come up front. Is that how they do? They sit here, here, wherever, wherever you tell them. It doesn't matter. Why don't you come up front and sit on this side this evening? Okay, let's see here. Can you find a, there you go. Ooh, that is a bench full of children. Here comes one more. All right, come right on up here. Here, why don't you want to sit right here? Right here with these girls? There we go. All right. You a little bit crowded here. Do you want to go back and sit with those girls? Yeah, there you go. All right, good evening, boys and girls. Good evening, boys and girls. There you go. All right. Conrad, is this mic working? Okay. All right. Well, I'm glad to be here with you tonight, and we have a special little time for the children. I will have to tell you the story that I was going to tell you tonight. I, I changed my mind, and I'll, but I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll invite you back Friday evening. We'll have another children's class, all right? And then I'll probably tell you the story I was going to tell you tonight. Tonight, I want to tell a story that goes along with the message, and... For some of you, it may be a bit over your head, but I think most of you can get it. But before we do that, we're going to involve the adults a little bit. How many of you, you're living in Virginia now, but how many of you have lived in another state in the United States of America? Other than, oh, we got hands all over. Okay. So, a uh, young man in the blue shirt, what other state did you live in? New Jersey. Okay, so... I understand that every state in the United States of America has got a, I don't know what you call it, a nickname? What's the proper name for it? Is that what it is? Do you know what the nickname is for the state of New Jersey? Okay. The what? The Garden State. All right. Someone else knew. All right. Uh, someone else raised their hand. What other state? Um, who else raised your hand over here? And that is what? Not sure. Somebody help him out. What's South Carolina? Sunshine State? That's Florida, isn't it? Is that Florida? I think it's Florida. Palmetto State? Okay. We all learned something, didn't we? All right. So, do any of you children know what Virginia is? Huh? What is it? Yeah, it's a state where we live. You're 100% right, but it's got a nickname. Anybody know what it is? Yes. United States, okay. That's right, too. All right, so some adult help us out. What is Virginia? Old Dominion. Okay, I didn't. did you know that? I didn't know that. You knew that? All right. So we live in the state of Michigan. Does anybody know what Michigan is? What is it? What? No, I think that's Minnesota. Anybody know what Michigan is? It's a Wolverine state. Okay. You all know what a Wolverine is? It's, here's a picture of a Wolverine. Samuel and his family were kind enough to print that out for me tonight. See that? You ever see an animal like that? Michigan is called the Wolverine state. All right. And so since I live in Michigan, I was a little bit intrigued with that, and I did a little research into that. And a Wolverine is a, they say that pound for pound, it's, a, it's the most, one, it's as powerful animal as God created, pound for pound. Now, I know that if you had an elephant, you know, an elephant could walk right over these benches and knock them right down, right? Because it's big. 
But a wolverine is not near that big, but it is a very, very strong, fierce animal. And it, it's amazing how God has created that animal. And what happened, I'm not sure why Michigan is called a wolverine state, but back in the pioneer days, people would live up in northern Michigan and they would do trap lines. You boys know what I'm talking about? Trap for animals? And the wolverine, it'd be great if you could trap them, but it's very hard to trap them. But they, you did not want a wolverine in your area where you're trapping because they had an uncanny ability to get your trap and either steal the bait out of it well, that's generally what they do. They steal the bait out of your trap without getting caught, and then you caught nothing. And if a wolverine figured out where your trap line went, he would just follow those traps, and he'd steal all the bait out of your traps, and you were done. You wouldn't catch any animals. They also found out that he not only was he extremely strong, he's extremely determined, and he has the uncanny, uncanny ability to think like humans. Now, he's not a human, okay? He's just an animal. But it seems like he can think. And he not only would he steal bait out of traps, but he would find the trapper's cabin, and he would break into the cabin. And he would just go in and destroy things in there, looking for food, and just rip things apart. He could break into cabins. And people would try to catch these, and they did occasionally, and they would try to put them in a pen. And they are escape artists. They can just break out of stuff. Wood is nothing to them. They can move stuff that you would not believe. So that's a little bit of a wolverine. Tonight, the story I'm going to tell you is about a badger. Now, a badger is from the same family as a wolverine. All right, It looks similar, just not quite as big. But a badger has a lot of the same tendencies that a wolverine does. So there was a man some t one time. Oh, I forgot. I want to tell you a Bible verse before I tell you the story. There's a verse in the Bible that says, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. You ever hear that verse before? Can you say it with me? Okay, here we go. And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Okay, let's try that again and try to do it a little bit more heartily, all right? And whatsoever you do, do it There you go. All right. And so the Bible says that when you do something, do it with all your heart. Put your heart into it. Do the best you can. And as children, you know, you're just growing up and you're starting to understand who God is and what God is. But what God wants from you right now, the way that you please God at your age is to obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. And so when mom says, Johnny, can you take the trash out for me? Oh, eh, eh, hmm. No! Johnny jumps up and he grabs the trash and he runs it out. He's happy and he's whistling a tune. Do it hardly as unto the Lord. Do it with all your might. Now, the story about the badger. So this man caught a male badger and he decided he wanted to keep this badger for a pet. Now, he knew about badgers. He knew they were really hard to keep in a pen, all right? Just like a wolverine, hard to pen them in. But he made a secure pen. And he put this, got this pen all done had secure walls, and he put this badger in the pen, right, the animal that looks like this, he put in the pen. Well, all right, Mr. Badger, here's your home. You know what that badger did? Remember what I said, they're very strong. There was some trees growing in this pen, and that badger went over there, and he dug around one of those trees, 
and he pulled that tree up, and he pulled that tree over the wall, and he set it up in the corner of the wall, and then he climbed up that tree and up over the wall, and he was free. You know what he did? He went and broke into people's houses, just made a nuisance out of himself, because that's what badgers do. So they caught the badger again. So the man went in there, and he took all the trees out of the pen and put the badger back in and said, okay, there you go, Mr. Badger. Now, what do you think the badger did? Remember what I said? They could, it seems like they can think. The badger went and found all the big stones on the, in the pen. He took all those stones, and he went over to the corner of the pen, and he built up this stone pile until it was pretty high. Then he climbed up the stones, and up over the wall he went. And he didn't run away. He just went and broke in people's houses at night. So they caught him again. So the man took all the stones out of the pen, put Mr. Badger back in there. And now Badger has to have water to drink, right? So the Badger took his water, and he took it, and he mixed it with mud, with dirt. And he made mud balls. And he made balls. And the sun dried those balls into hard like stones almost, and he took those balls and he put them over in the corner of the pen, stacked them up, and he crawled up, and out over the pen he went. And he didn't run away, he just broke into people's houses, and so they caught him again. And the man thought, you know what? I think that I know what his problem is. He needs a Mrs. Badger. Then he'd be happy. Don't you think? That's what the man thought. He said, you know, if I would get a female badger and put it in the pen with Mr. Badger, it would be a Mr. or Mrs., then he'd be happy. And he stayed in his pen. So he went and got a female badger, and he put her in the pen. So there they are. Now, what do you think they would do, first of all? You would think that they would sit down and have a nice candlelight romantic supper, maybe, or something. Well, that's not what he did. You know what he did? Mr. Badger took Mrs. Badger, and he took her over to the corner of the pen, and he made her stand up as tall as she could on her hind feet. And then he crawled up Mrs. Badger, and up over the pen he went again. Now, Badger is a badger because he does what he wants. He's determined to do what he wants to do. He does it heartily, doesn't it? Isn't that what our verse was about tonight? Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. So children, now you're going to go home tonight. And tomorrow, mom and dad are going to say, you know, Susie, you need to clean up your room. Be a badger. Do it heartily. Okay? Boys, you need to go feed the dog. Or put your shoes away. Be a badger. Do it heartily. Do it the best you can with all your heart. Like that badger just did. Put everything into it. All right? That's how you obey God when you're age. So can you remember that story about the badger? And do your things heartily as unto the Lord. All right. Thank you for coming to children's class. And we'll plan to have another story Friday night. All right? You can go back to your parents.
I invite you all to stand if it's convenient. Let's sing one verse of Lord I am fondly, earnestly longing. Lord I am fondly. And we're going to open your word, Lord. We know that it's truth and it's life. And I pray, God, tonight that your word could find root in our hearts. I pray, God, tonight the distractions would be few and we could focus our minds on you. And, Lord, we invite you, we invoke you to speak to our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I greet you tonight in the precious name of Jesus. I trust you have had a good day as you walked with the Lord. When I knew we were coming down here, I thought, well, we're halfway to Florida, so it's going to be Florida weather. I was a little wrong on that. But I have sensed a warm fellowship and a warm brotherhood, and I appreciate that a lot. We've enjoyed our time here already. I know I'm kind of dated if I use a blackboard. I realize I'm really dated because nobody uses blackboards hardly anymore. But sometimes I just, I know for myself, if I can see something, I can retain it a lot better. And I, can, I'm, I just simply wrote the title of the message up here, Revived Stones of the Rubbish. And so hopefully it will just help you to be able to focus a little better on where we go tonight. I invite you to the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Revived stones of the rubbish. Nehemiah chapter 4. I'd like to use the first two verses for the text for the message this evening. Chapter 4 verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sadanbel had heard that we built the wall... He was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. <clears throat> and he spake before his brethren and the army, <clears throat> excuse me, and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Now the book of Nehemiah is a Wonderful story of history of God's people. They were facing a difficult time in their life, I guess you could say. They had been disbanded and run over and captured and 
destroyed. But by the power of God, they rose up and they banded together and they unified and they said, we can, we can have a goal. And they applied themselves to the task and they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. And I, brothers and sisters, tonight I like that picture. And I think that as churches, as congregations, we should take courage tonight, friends. I know there's a lot of negative things out there, but God is still on the throne. God still has his people that are his own. And he has the bride, the church, and there's power, and there's, there's fire, and there's things that can be accomplished when we unify and we work together and we have a goal. And it doesn't matter who does what, but that gets done. There's power, friends. There's power in congregational prayer. Power and working together. And that's not where my message is going tonight. That's just kind of a side note. You know, we are plagued today with the uh, individualism. That people want to do their own thing, be their own selves, and then kind of go along to church as long as I can do things my own way, and then I'll be happy. No, friends. We work together. We band together, rebuild the walls. Well, the city of Jerusalem was a mess. And it was a disgrace. For anybody that lived there, as I understand the situation, it was embarrassing for the people living there because this thing had just never been rebuilt. Destruction. And along comes Nehemiah, the prophet. Here comes a man with a vision, with a goal and purpose. Here comes a man that had a call from God. And a man that didn't just jump into this on the spur of a moment and said, hey, maybe I can be a hero here. Maybe I can do something. Maybe I can, we can get something going. Oh, no, my friends, this is a man that had fell on his knees and he had fasted and prayed for four months. He didn't come into it unprepared. He was called by God. And he gets to Jerusalem and he looks over the situation at night. And maybe I'll just, Read a few verses here as I go along. Verse 13 of chapter 2. And he says, And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. What he's saying here was he went out and he went, got there and he went to check it out. Uh, see how bad it is. And he went out at night, and I'm not sure why he did that. I don't know exactly why he went out at night, but the Bible says he went out at night to check it out. Maybe he just didn't want people to really know what he was doing or think about what he might be doing. Um, maybe he didn't want to embarrass him. I don't know. But he went out and viewed the mess. He looked at the broken down walls and the burned gates, and it was a mess. It was so bad. It was so broken down. It was piles of rubbish. And it says here that the piles of rubbish were so high and so everywhere that he couldn't even find a place to ride his donkey through it. Donkey couldn't go through it. Piles of rubbish. But Nehemiah said this in chapter 2 and verse 20. He said, then I told, no, I'm sorry, verse 20. Well, let's see, where am I at here? The God of heaven, he will prosper us, therefore we his servants will rise and build. I'm not sure if that's, yeah, that's the verse I want. Nehemiah said, God's going to help us. That's a mess, but God's going to help us. We'll rebuild this thing. 
And then we come to chapter 4, the verses I read, verses 1 and 2. And the enemy resisted this thing. They didn't like it. Sanballat and crew, the Bible says there in verse 1 of chapter 4, they were wroth. They were angry. Took great indignation. They were furious. They protested. They mocked. They made fun of them. Uh, they laughed at them. They called them names. They said, you feeble Jews. There in verse 2, I think, is what do these feeble Jews, these weakling little Jews that are the captives, they've been run over. What do they think they're going to do? These, these guys are weak. They can't do anything. They don't have any organization. No structure. Call them weak people. hundred years, this mess has been here. What, do you what are you going to do? Sacrifice to your God? He made fun of them. He made fun of them sacrificing God. What do you think your God's going to do? You think he's going to build up a wall in a day? That's what they said. They were mocking them, making fun of them. You think somehow a wall will jump up? And then they laughed at them. They said, you know what? Even if you get a wall built, it's going to be such a flimsy, motley thing that if a fox would walk over, they'll break it down. That's how they mocked them. That's what they said. Made fun of them. They said this in verse 2, and I'm putting it kind of my words. Well, I'll just read it. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned. They said, are you guys going to go out there in these piles of rubbish stones that are broken, you're falling down walls, are you going to take those stones out and revive them and rebuild your walls with those stones? Brothers and sisters, that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what happened. After nearly 100 years of rubbish, they rebuilt those walls. Chapter 6, verse 15. So the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elu, in 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Fifty-two days after years and years and years of rubbish, 52 days, they had these brand new walls. The walls were revived and rebuilt. The power of God, through his people, revived the stones of rubbish. Now this is a beautiful Old Testament account. And I would like to take it tonight. It's a physical account. And I would like to parallel it tonight to make a spiritual application. I would like for us to think about our lives. Where we are at spiritually. And you know, nobody really knows but you and God, me and God, for myself, exactly where we're at spiritually. But what is our spiritual status? Am I complacent spiritually? Am I lukewarm spiritually? Do I have sin in my life? 
Is there a broken commitment in my life? Have I gotten lazy spiritually? Have I slipped into discouragement? Where am I at spiritually? And so what I want to say is this. If I am complacent, if I am lukewarm, if I have sin in my life, and go on down the list and whatever you want to add on there, if that is my current spiritual status, you know what that is, friends? That is rubbish. I want to use that word tonight. It's out of the text here. It's rubbish. It's broken down stones from my life wall. If we can make the application to us personally tonight, we all have a life wall. And if we're spiritually on target, if we're spiritually well, then that life wall is standing, stay straight, strong, the stones are in place. But if I have things in my life that shouldn't be there, those stones crumble and they fall, and that wall is not what it should be, my life wall. That's the comparison I want to make tonight. Rubbish. Broken down stones from a life wall. Rubble. Webster's would say is rough, broken pieces of stone. Friends, tonight is my life free of rubbish, broken stones. The message tonight is personal to me. It's for me, first of all, I'll tell you that tonight. I preach to myself. You know, we're not very good at analyzing ourselves. We're really biased when it comes to analyzing ourselves. It's pretty easy for us to look at someone else and say, oh, yeah, that's where their problem is. But it's hard to see it in ourselves. I like to think of myself as, I think I'm a positive person. I'm excited about following Jesus. I'm excited about the church, our church family. I love our family and our children, our grandchildren. I love our friends. Love my wife. I enjoy working. I enjoy people. And I'm anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ. I am. I really am. The older I get, the more ready I get for Jesus to come. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. And I understand this morning, that if, this evening, that when you're younger, that's maybe a little bit harder to say. But the older I get, the more ready I am to go. I can't preach a message without being honest with the people sitting in front of me. I've learned years ago I can't do that. And I felt some heaviness today, and I, I know what I believe Satan was trying to hinder, trying to discourage me. But I believe there was something else, too, personal going on tonight. It hit me. Like Delmer, I was, I'm just asking God. I was crying out to God, God, what is wrong? I, I just don't feel the freedom that i got to have to preach a message tonight. 
And it wasn't like God spoke audibly to me tonight, but all at once it just came to my mind, like right there it was, Delmer, you've got pride in your life. Yeah, God, you're right. I do. People, I want you to know tonight that preachers are tempted to have pride. And I confess that to God. So I don't stand here before you perfect tonight. It's a message for myself. There are some things that have happened in the last while that have, I would have, I preached this message not long ago in our church. And I said, there's some things that have happened that have shaken my wall. My, my wall stones, I, they have not fallen, they have not crumbled, but there's some things that have shaken me. And I don't know what I can tell you tonight and is proper to say, but it shakes me, friends, when men that I have trusted, that I have looked up to, that I would presume, assume that it's safe to follow. And all at once these men are dealing with sin issues or discouragement. That shakes me. And I'm just being honest with you tonight. Another thing that I have thought about recently and, and as I was working on this message, the first time I preached it was you know, the fact of I have realized that I'm getting older, and I don't feel like an old man tonight, but I realize that I'm 61 years old. And, you know, I, I, see, I look around me at people, and, you know, maybe getting old isn't all that golden, you know? And that can shake you a bit. COVID-19 has shook me a bit. Not because I'm afraid of the disease, but because of how it has affected our churches. I had another experience earlier this summer. We were setting trusses on a big enough building. I think it was 68 by 176. Heavy trusses, 700 pounds each. And we had set almost all of them, and we went down for lunch break, and with minutes that we were on the ground, those trusses all collapsed. Minutes before we were all up in them, underneath them. Shakes your life wall, makes you think. But my personal testimony tonight is this, that I have determined I will not stop building the wall. That's my testimony tonight. There's things that come through life that shake our life wall. And if there's sin in our life, it'll crumble that life wall. But my testimony is tonight, I will build the wall. I will rise and build. I've determined. I want to be like that badger. That's why I wanted to tell that story tonight. We need to be, have the determination, the desire of that badger to keep on building that wall. I'm determined I do not want to be a part of the heap of rubbish. Friend, if you are here tonight, your life has broken stone or broken stones, and it's adding to that heap of rubbish. Friend, I'm here tonight to encourage you alongside of myself.
So I'm drawing a parallel tonight between the physical stone wall and our spiritual life. And the question they asked Nehemiah was, will they, will you, will they revive the stones out of the heap of rubbish? And the answer tonight is yes. If there are stones in your life that have fallen from your life wall and they've become rubbish, friends, they can be revived. The answer is yes. Revived. And so we ask the question, well, how can they be revived? And I don't have to go down through all the list tonight, but we think about the cross and we think about the blood and we think about forgiveness. Revives the stones. We think about following Jesus and we think about a personal Holy Spirit-filled, controlled life and power that comes from that. We think about a transformed mind and a new man. And we may say, you know what? I've got that. I understand. I understand about the cross. I understand about the blood and the power of the blood. And I understand about the Holy Spirit filling my life and controlling me. I understand about having a transformed mind. But I've got these stones in my life that have fallen off the wall. I don't seem to be able to have the victory. And I put the stone back up and it falls off again. And I put it back up and it falls off again. And the wall is just not being built. And, and, and it's stagnant. My friends, tonight, God has a part that he plays. But my friends, tonight, we also have a part that we got to play. We must arise. Nehemiah said, I will arise. And I will build the wall. Nehemiah said in chapter 2, verse 18, Then I told them in the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken to me. And they said, Let us arise up and build. Verse 20, and I think I did read it already. The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will rise and build. Tonight, I would like for us to think about the word desire. But Nehemiah said, I will arise. Nehemiah had a desire to build that wall. You and I have to want to revive the stones. We need to have a desire to revive the stones. We need to have something of what that badger had, a desire. You know, generally speaking, we people do what we want to do, and we get what we want, and that's because of desire. Nehemiah and company, they had a desire, and that was evident, and they said, we want to arise and build that wall. And they did, and Nehemiah said this in chapter 4, verse 6, so we build the wall. 
and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. They had a desire to do it. They said, yes, we want to do this. We want to be part of it. We're going to be there. I understand tonight that desire is not a basic doctrine like we would think of basic doctrines like salvation or repentance or forgiveness. I understand that. But it is biblical and it is part of our part that we need to do. And I had to think about the old saying that you can lead a horse to water but you cannot make the horse drink. You can have a horse that is thirsty and maybe has not drank water a long time and so you can lead him to this beautiful uh, fountain of pure, clean water and you take that horse up there and he just stands there and you take his head and you put it down on the water and he will not suck it in because he does not want it. Some people drink the sewer water from the devil's well because that's what they want. Desire. I'd like to show you a few verses what the Bible says about desire in Psalm 37, 4. We'll just go through these quickly. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Oh, my friends, tonight God has promised us that if we want more of him, trust, uh, delight thyself in the Lord. If we delight in him, if we want him, if we want more of him in our life, if we want him to revive the stones in our life, he says, I will do it. He'll give you the desire of your heart if you want it. God will never tell you no. God will never say, no, you're too spiritual. No, your wall is so good, you don't need anything else. No, he won't do that, my friend. He wants to revive the stones of our wall. There are more verses about desire. I go to, you don't have to turn to this. I'll just read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7, says this. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind toward me so that I rejoice the more. An earnest desire for truth. These people earnestly desired truth. They wanted godliness. They wanted holiness. They wanted fellowship. Verse 11 of the same chapter, he uses this same word. He says, uh, for behold, the self-same thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourself, yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, what zeal, vehement desire for godly sorrow, for repentance, for cleansing, for healing, zeal for holiness, hating sin. Other scriptures I would think of, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse Two, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. You know, babies, when they are little, they desire milk. They want milk, and they don't want broccoli, and they don't want corn, and they don't want carrots. They want milk. They desire it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16 says, But now they desire a better country. Talking about Noah and Abraham and Moses. We talked about them last night. They had a desire for holiness that superseded the circumstances of life. 
Their desire overrode the, the, the poor conditions, the earthliness and the personal preferences and the pleasure. Friend tonight, how much do you desire holiness to revive the rubbish in your life? Are you willing to do whatever you got to do as often as you got to do it and build the spiritual wall of holiness in my own life? Some examples of others. I think of Caleb and Joshua 14. And I think of that man that spent 40 years in the wilderness. And I don't know, I don't know how he did that. He didn't deserve that. He was a godly man. And he, maybe he got discouraged at that whole 40-year period. I don't know how he handled that all. But he got to be an old man. He was 85 years old. And he said this. He said, now therefore give me this mountain. He had a desire to move on, to continue to conquer. He didn't say, you know what, God? Here, I, I went through this whole 40-year time in the wilderness, and I think I deserve Florida. I think I deserve Pinecraft. Give me a shuffleboard court, Lord. That's what I want. No, he said, give me a mountain full of giants. Let's go out and conquer I think of David in Psalm 51. His life looked like broken stones of sin. It was rubbish. His wall had fallen down. And he desired forgiveness. He cried out to God, God, would you forgive me? Will you wash my heart white as snow? I want that more than anything else, Lord. My bones hurt. I need, a, I need to be filled again with your spirit, God. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. My life was so messed up. God, just wash it clean and bright and make it new. God, that's what I want. Friend, I encourage you tonight. If there are broken stones of rubbish in your life, if you desire to rise and build, God will meet you right there. He'll meet you there. He'll prosper the building of your wall. My friend, if spiritual victory is eluding you, and I, I, my heart goes out to people that struggle and cannot gain spiritual victory. My heart goes out to those people. But if you want to, friends, if you want it bad enough, you can have it. God won't let you down, my friends. It's not God's fault. You can have it if you want it more than anything else. rubbish heap is a dreadful place to be, friends. It's not a good place to be. But there's a voice, there's a call that can be heard coming from the rubbish heap. It's a call from God. He says, whosoever will, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, whosoever will, or whosoever desires is what that word means, whosoever desires may come to the living water. If you desire, friends, you can come and you can, you can taste of that living water. But we must want it more than what we have. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. My friends, Jesus says, come. You can have it if you want it. 
Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, my friends, then they are willing to lay aside all those other calls we make and are willing to call upon God because we want God to revive the stones of rubbish in our life. Daniel purposed in his heart to holiness. He desired that more than his own life. He said, I want God and I want holiness more. I don't care if it costs me my life. He had a desire. Joseph ran for Potiphar's wife because he desired purity more than the fleeting pleasure of a moment. It comes down to what we want. Friend, tonight, if you're here, your life all has crumbled. The message tonight is that your life stones can be revived. It may be one stone. It may be a small stone. It may be many stones. It may be a pile. But friends, God, when you come, he will rebuild that wall with his power and his strength and his cleansing and his forgiveness and his love. You know, if you've got a crumbled stones of rubbish in your life tonight, friends, you can... You can take it home with you tonight and you can wake up with it in the morning and you can go with you tomorrow or you can have them revived tonight by the power of God. And you can leave tonight a revived stone. It comes down to what we want. I don't know your hearts tonight. Only God does. And I don't convict. It's not my business. My business is to give the word. But I can tell you tonight, that God loves to revive broken stones. We're going to just have a simple invitation. Let's pray. Father, we come to you tonight. In the stillness of this hour, you know every heart sitting here tonight in this congregation. And if there are those here tonight that recognize a spiritual need in their life and they want it to be revived, Lord, I pray that they would have courage, that they would want it enough to come to you tonight. Lord, we just want to be revived. We want to allow more of you into our life. We want to be more like you. And so I pray, as we sing a verse or two of song, that your spirit would move in our hearts. If there are needs here tonight, we commit this little time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.